Welcome back, Legacy listeners. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to have an Ask Us Anything episode. Uh, I've reached out to try to get folks to submit questions. Our goal for Rachel and I is once a month, we'd like to answer two to three questions, you know, depending on maybe the length of, of how deep we get into some of these questions that get submitted. And each month we'll, we'll go through the list, so continue to submit your questions. Um, and this, this can be the soft side of the business, this, this could be the technical side regarding you know, the financials, uh, this could be regarding communication or dynamics within the family. There's really no question that's a silly question. Uh, today we have Jared Holt, uh, CEO of Ascent, with us. You see uh, a third person, and we've added a couch to our set. Yeah. Uh, so excited nice. for you to be here, Jared. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Jared brings a, a wealth of, of knowledge uh, to Ascent, uh, being the CEO. Uh, and, and no pun intended on the wealth, he actually started in wealth management. So he's got a lot of experience working with clients and folks for, for a long time now. So today in our first Ask Us uh, Anything episode, uh, we do want to talk about a few things that we think are really relevant for this, this time, this kind of first quarter of a, a new year that we're coming into. Uh, Jared, can, can you talk a little bit about some options that, that folks may have regarding cash balance plans as they're kind of, they wrapped up year end and now heading into a new year? Yeah, these cash balance plans have been something that uh, we've been talking about quite a bit with our clients as the, the right scenarios have occurred for our clients to use a cash balance plan. So Taking a step back, what is a cash balance plan? Um, a cash balance plan basically is, it's like a souped up retirement account is the analogy that I use routinely. It's like a 401k on steroids. Um, and ultimately it can allow a business owner or an employer to contribute much more dollars on an annual basis in a tax deferred method compared to a traditional IRA or a 401k or a SEP IRA. You know, we have businesses that can put two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year into a cash balance plan and get a deferral on that money and ultimately bring down their income tax liability that year in the short term. It's a very powerful tool to help clients prepare for the future, get them into a lower tax bracket in the short term. And ultimately, a cash balance plan, it's a defined benefit plan. It's not a defined contribution plan. What that basically means is you're not trying to get as much growth in the retirement account as possible. It's more about how much can I get into it more or less than how much can I have the account grow. And so with the cash balance plan, there's some extra planning around it versus simply opening an IRA online or you know a 401k or something like that. With a cash balance plan, you need to utilize an administrator, and the administrator will typically have an actuary on staff. The actuary will be the person who tells the business how much they can contribute on a given year. And So that changes on year to year. It, it can, correct? yeah. So how the actuary determines the amount that a business can put in is typically based off of the highest three-year average that the business has had for income, from, from business income, Schedule F income if you're a farmer, Schedule C income if you're any other business owner. So the more income that you've shown in the past, or if you will be showing, then the higher the amount you can put in. So if you're one of the business owners who have always taken accelerated depreciation, never shown any income at all, then you probably are not going to be able to put as much money into the cash balance plan. 
For example, though, um, met with a client recently. They're retiring, transitioning the farm over to their, their, their son and daughter-in-law, and they've shown profit for a handful of years. Uh, not, not a huge amount of profit, but they've shown fifty to $70,000 a year of profit. That means they've paid some tax along the way, and now they're getting ready to transition out, and they're sitting on a million dollars of crop inventory that they don't have any expenses to go against. So we looked at the, the options, we talked with the actuary, and you know we, we use an, uh, uh, an administrating, administrative firm called DWC quite a bit. We don't have a relation or a referral agreement with them, I'm not getting paid to mention their name, but DWC just does a really good job. Worked with them for five, six years now, their first class, and went to DWC and said, hey, how much do we think our, our clients can contribute to this cash balance plan? And, they said in the situation, probably three to four hundred thousand dollars a year they can contribute, and so this client is going to be taking some of their twenty-three income they deferred into twenty-four. They're going to be making a contribution for twenty-three to begin with, um, and then they're also making a contribution for twenty-four with a deferred income from twenty-three, and then they have all their crop that they haven't sold yet. That's basically open for twenty-three crop that they're going to sell forward for 24, or excuse me, 25 and 26 as well, and then taking the income in those years. So, luckily, you know, a lot of our clients in agriculture, they can, if they're crop farmers, they can, you know, uh, defer income and do some of those things, and, and that's what they're able to do here and stretch it out. So, with a cash balance plan, you have to run it for three years. It's a, that's the, kind of the minimum rules that the actuaries have stated and told us that it needs to be ran. So... You know, in this situation, we ran the financial model for the client to show what if they just take all the crop, sell the crop, pay the tax, get it over with, compared to going with the cash balance plan, keeping their taxes much lower during the next couple of years, putting about a million dollars into the retirement account, and then unwinding that money little bit by little bit every year in the future and in collaboration with their social security income and, and land rent and, and some of the other income sources they'll have. And for this client, it added about a million dollars to their net worth over the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's powerful, you know, an extra million bucks, you know. And so that was a situation we risk tested it to see what if taxes go up in the future, right? You know, all these different scenarios that people will throw out, the unknowns. We risk tested it, talked to the CPA. CPA said, I probably makes sense to not jump up into those highest tax brackets possible right now. Keep them lower keep their money working for them and withdraw little bits by little bits. So, so just for some clarity, so obviously they'll pay tax on that money yeah. as it comes yep. out. Um, but as, as folks are, you know, we're in a new year, they could still consider setting up a cash balance plan for the 23 tax years. Exactly. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So um, with the secure act, they do not need to have the cash balance plan in effect before 1231, 2023. So if you're listening to this right now in January 24, you have a, you know, you're told by your CPA, your tax advisor that you have a big tax bill and you're not excited about it, uh, a cash balance plan could be something to consider. Yep. So I was, as I was driving here um, to meet with you two, I was talking with a client's tax advisor because a client who we did a transition plan for five years ago called and said, we're, we, got, we owe a lot of taxes and we're not thrilled about this. And what can we do? So I spent an hour talking with a tax advisor, going through some options. 
And in this situation, we're, we're going to explore heavily this very operation, uh, making some sizable contributions. And ultimately, you know, this is a situation where the client is taking money from the business, making a contribution to a retirement plan. So they're putting money back into their own pockets. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're not just spending money to spend money on something they don't necessarily need. And that was the situation the client said, we've kind of already bought everything. We don't need another tractor that, you know, we, we're good. So instead of just paying tax, they're shifting it, they're putting dollars in their own pocket. And we're starting to plan ahead now for this farm long term. Mm -hmm. So that way we're setting the next generation up. So that way when they go through a transition plan, they have money put away to make it easier for the next generation. So they're already thinking ahead and they're just compounding their plan, uh, in a, in a beneficial manner. Yeah, so. I think this is very relevant, right, for yeah. our clients. Like I said, good timing. And what's the cost? So is it they pay a one-time fee, or is it ongoing to have a cash balance plan? Just so people yeah. are aware of that. You're gonna you. you <clears throat> I'm I'm pretty sure for a cash balance plan, you need a retirement plan administrator to administer the plan, because the, the I'll answer your question here, but it's 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 typically a couple thousand bucks a year to manage the plan. I'll just say that, you know, maybe a thousand to $3,000 a year on average to manage the plan. And where those costs go is primarily to the administrator Mm -hmm. um, because the administrator is the one who reviews the plan and updates the plan documents, will tell you how much you can contribute. The actuary will do that. And they take on a lot of the compliance risk. Because the cash balance plans are not black and white. You can't go to the IRS tables and just say, yep, you know, contribution for a cash balance plan is X this year compared to last year like you can for an IRA or 401k. It's based off your business. Mm-hmm. And so in those situations, you need that outside party to tell you what you can do mm-hmm. and to keep you in compliance with the IRS. Yep. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jared. That that was really helpful, and and hopefully, uh, can relate to a lot of the, a lot of our clients. The other thing I want you to touch on uh, briefly is is some new rules effective January one in regards to PTO, paid time off in businesses. Yeah. So, uh, not a walking expert on this. We're still trying to figure it out ourselves. But yeah, state of Minnesota has implemented some new rules that employers have to follow for employees. Uh, they have to track. The, the, the sick leave going forward and, and basically allow for that. Um, so, you know, even us at Ascent with W-2 employees and, and such, we're having to basically amend our, our, our what's the word I'm looking for, job, con- or our, our contracts with our, our team members um, to, you know, accommodate these new rules. So like us at Ascent, we've had a rule where, Hey, we don't have structured time off. We don't have structured sick leave. We have more big picture goals and targets. Take time off, do what you want to do. We want flexibility for our people. So we were not in compliance right away with this new rule. So we have to implement a new rule where we have to give everybody a certain amount of PTO, paid time off, to accommodate for the sick leave legally, um, even though we had it where they could take more time off than what we're having to give them now, which is the same. But so, you know, all these new things are coming into effect. And if you go to the Minnesota, state of Minnesota website, and you'll find information on this. Um, if you have employees, it'd be good to, you know, either talk to an HR coordinator or somebody who is, is an expert in this. Um, it seems like a lot of tax advisors are up on this, or the, the payroll, people who do payroll for businesses 
are pretty familiar with these updates. So it'd be good to check out and just make sure you're on the right side of compliance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one more item I'd like you to touch on regarding uh, some new entity reporting requirements that are affect uh, January 1 as well uh, with Vincent. Can you talk just on a high level what that might be? Yeah, a year to two years ago, um, the government came out and said, in the future, basically most entities in the United States are going to have to report who the owners are of these entities on a given year. Um, my understanding behind it is that the government wants to know who's involved in what entities and to what extent and what the layers of ownership might look like for these different entities out there. And so we've known about this for a little while, but it came into effect in 2024 here. So if you have an LLC or a corporation, I'm going to keep it simple here for most of our audience. If you have an LLC or a corporation, S Corp, C Corp, something like that, Basically, any entity that limits liability, you need to file this beneficial ownership uh, document with the government. You can do it all online, electronically. And if the entity was set up prior to January 1st of 24, you have until the end of this year of 24 to get the paperwork done. If you are just starting an entity effective 1-1 one, one of 24. My understanding is you have 90 days this year mm -hmm. to get that paperwork done. 90 days, okay? So if you're listening to this, if you just started a, a general partnership, or not a general partnership, but an LLC or a corporation, something like that, um, you need to get that filed basically in the first three months of this year. Mm -hmm. Going forward after this year, you would have to get that filed within 30 days every year okay. at the end of the year. So... If you, if like next year, if you start an entity up, you have 30 days to get it done, is my understanding. So, um, and I think a lot of the entities, if you already are an LLC, I think you probably got an email notification because yeah. yep. I'm already hearing some businesses that are, that are getting this email. So, check your inboxes. I think it has a link right yep. where you can go to to register because uh, I do believe after that, those deadlines. It's a significant fine per uh, day, it's like five hundred dollars. That's yeah. what that's what I understand. Per it's like, like a five hundred dollar a day fine. Correct. So get it filed, get it yep. taken care of. Um, single member LLCs. A lot of our clients, you know, business owners might set up an LLC just to have some limited liability. Maybe they're a sole proprietor. They don't file an extra tax return. It just flows back through to their their tax return. Uh, our understanding is those entities do not need to file this beneficial ownership paperwork or general partnerships. I said partnerships a little bit ago, uh, mistakenly. General partnerships do not need to file this. So if there's any liability protection though, or if you have multiple owners, in summary, you should check it out and make sure that you file it. Even if not, it'd be good to go and look it up just to make sure that your entity is not needing to be filed. Mm -hmm. Talk with your tax advisor, talk with your other consultants, talk with your attorney, and just cover the bases so that way all of a sudden you don't get slapped with a $500 a day fine. Exactly. That you didn't know about. Better safe than sorry. Exactly. Right? Thank you so much, Jared. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for joining us. And thank that's you. all we have for today from the Legacy Leaders Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you, folks.